You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. My friend, Pastor Peter Lord, says if we're going to live the Christian life, we must write an obituary to the self-life. That is a great statement because that's exactly what Jesus said. You can't be my disciple unless you deny yourself and daily pick up your cross and follow me. Not possible. James says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You cannot resist the devil unless your life is submitted to God. Not possible. Are you striving and straining to live a good life? What does that look like for you? Is it committing yourself 110% to your career? Or maybe focusing all of your energy on your marriage or parenting? Whatever the case, under your own power, seeking your own goodness and happiness, you'll always come up short. As Pastor Danny will explain in today's message, to live a truly good life with eternal value requires dying to your desires and your aspirations, as well as finding life in the Holy Spirit. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Victorious Christian Life. You fast for 40 days and you don't get something to eat very quickly. At the end of that, you will die. And they tell us, I've never fasted that long, not even close. But at some point, your, your, your hunger pains go away. But then when they come back, when you're approaching death, they come back with a vengeance. And in that weakened, needy state. Jesus was tempted in every way, in lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and he conquered. He was victorious over the enemy, right in the enemy's domain, in the worst human situation that you could imagine, and he conquered. And his victory shows us the way to victory. That's why Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, of our faith. He shows us the way. <laughs> if you haven't realized it yet, let me remind you, we're not in paradise anymore. We never have been. We're not in paradise. We're in, if you will, the wilderness. And even places like Hawaii, I've been there. Had the privilege of being on the island of Maui, Maui and go way up into one of the waterfalls and it was absolutely pristine. It was amazing, but it wasn't paradise. Not like Adam and Eve had. You know why? The way they dress in Hawaii was a challenge for me. I wasn't even married at the time, but now yeah, I'm married. But even now, I'm married. And you think temptation goes away when you're married? You ain't married. Because all of us who are married know it doesn't go away. Guess what? In Hawaii, in Hawaii, people get sick. People die. Marriages struggle. People get addicted to drugs. There's conflicts. 
We're not in paradise anymore. Christians, Christians are persecuted in Hawaii just like they're persecuted anywhere else in the world. Maybe not to the degree in some places in the world, but hey, anywhere you go, we're not in paradise anymore. David faced the wild beast because he loved his father's sheep. Daniel faced the wild beast because of his faithfulness to God and his righteous work ethic. Paul the Apostle faced wild beasts in Ephesus, and here's what he writes about it. If I have fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? Think about that. If there's not something else, I'm going to get out of this. Why am I doing it? There's got to be a great reward. Because the reason he was with the wild beast there is because of his faithfulness to God. Same reason Jesus was in the wilderness. And Satan wanted to take him down. Just like he wanted to take Paul the apostle down. Jesus conquered. And you and I can conquer because he conquered. Now, don't answer me out loud. Don't answer me out loud. But what's your situation in life? We may never have to literally face wild beasts like Paul or David or Daniel or even Jesus. We may never have to endure exact conditions like Jesus did in the temptation and the wilderness. But please, please do not miss the practical implications of his victory. Through his victory, if we'll follow his example... You can be victorious, get this, you can be victorious in any situation and any condition in life. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And there are three things in the text. They are not hard to understand, but it's a different story to live it out on a daily basis. Not hard to understand. And here they are. Number one, he lived a life pleasing to the Father. That's what the text says. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Now, let me ask you, what had Jesus done up to this point for the father to say, with you I'm well pleased? You might say, well, it's just because he's his son. Well, I'll accept that, but I think there's more to it than that. Remember, Passover, they're at the feast, at least I think that was the feast, one of the Jewish feasts. And on the way back home, Joseph and Mary, two days later, realized Jesus is not with them. Now, if you understand how they travel, that wouldn't surprise you. They travel with a large uh, company of people, family, friends, neighbors. And so they think he's just with the family or somebody, you know. But they realize he's not here. So they turn around, they go back. When they get back, they find him in the temple. And he says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then it says this, then he went home with them and was subject to them. Amazing. The creator of the universe takes on human flesh and he's submissive, perfectly obedient to two parents and one of them, his dad, is not his real dad because Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. But let me take you a little further than that. Based on Old Testament scriptures, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, now I can't understand and completely, well, I understand it. I can't totally comprehend the truth of this prophetic scripture about Messiah. Because he said, when he came into the world, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, 
Here I am. It's written about me in the scroll, the Old Testament prophets. I've come to do your will, O God. So somehow his attitude when he left the glories of heaven and was conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb, here's what he said. A body you prepared for me, and in that body, he said, I've come to do your will. Now, we know what the Father's will was for Jesus, the Messiah. It was to come and die on a cross for the sins of the world. Now, he's unique in that. God hasn't called anybody else to do that because nobody else can give a sacrifice for the sins of the world except him. So that was unique in terms of the will. But it's not unique in terms of God having a body prepared for him and in that body for him to live out and finish in victory the will of God. Let me tell you one scripture, and then I'm going to turn to the second one. The second one I'll turn to is Psalm 139. Psalm 139. But let me tell you before I go to Psalm 139 and read it about Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God says about Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I've ordained that you are a prophet. Before he was ever conceived, God had a plan for him, and God had a body prepared. Jeremiah the prophet, here's the body I have prepared for you. He knew where he was going to be born, who he was going to be born to, and here's the plan I've got for your life. And you can only live out that plan in a body. Now let me really blow your mind. Psalm 139, verse 13. This psalm and this section can be applied to anybody, any one of us. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. What a great, mysterious truth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew every one of us before we conceived. He knew who was going to be our mom, who was going to be our dad, where we'd be born, where we'd grow up. And before any of that, he had a plan. He said, I got a body prepared for you, and I got a plan for you. And it's up to you whether you're going to live it out or not. Fascinating. Our text, Mark 1, tells us that Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? He wasn't baptized for the remission of sins. He never sins. We know that. But there is a reason for his baptism that's the same reason for you and I to be baptized, in water. You know what it is? It's an identification with death and an identification with resurrection. Jesus, in fulfilling the Father's will, would have to die to himself. Okay? That's why he says, you want to be my disciple and follow me, you got to deny yourself. And when you're baptized in water, that's what it signifies. That you, by faith in Christ, Romans chapter 6, don't you know that when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death. So that now you're also raised just as Christ was raised, so that you may live a new life. And the context of Romans 6 goes on to say, so now... Offer the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. Romans puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy, and get this, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Before Jesus ever did anything, before he ever healed anybody, before he went out and did good deeds, before he did any of that, the father says, you're my son, I love you, and with you I'm well pleased. Because he was willing to take on a body, and in that body, offer himself. Please understand, this is basic stuff, but listen to me. It's not, well, I'll give you this half, but I'll keep this half. Or I'll give you my arms, but I'm going to keep my legs. Or I'll give you my legs, and I'll, give you, I'll keep my arms. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Here's what pleases the Father. Here's what pleases the Father. Here I am. Before you do anything, before you even know what his full plan is, before I knew his plan was for 30-plus years to be the pastor of this church, I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. He sent me here. But it began with me saying, here I am. I would not be here if I hadn't done that. I wouldn't come here voluntarily. Don't take offense to that. I've told you that before. Listen, I didn't sit out and say, oh, let's choose the nicest place in the warm weather, place I want to retire. It had nothing to do with anything. I'm here because God sent me here. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, I'm here because there came a time I said, okay, Lord, I'm yours. And wherever you got me, wherever you got for me, whatever you got. But that's not only how you find out what God's will is. That's the only way. Listen, that's the only way you can be victorious. You're not going to resist temptation if you're half-hearted. Half-hearted Christians live half-hearted Christian lives. You may give him part of yourself, but you're not going to give him that. No. You want to live a completely committed life? You have to be completely committed. It's a life pleasing to the Father, and that's what pleases the Father. I'm yours. Before you do anything, second path to victory, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I hope you've come to the place you realize you cannot do it on your own. Not by my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I cannot handle it without the Holy Spirit's help. And neither can you. And I can't spend a lot of time on this one. I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to, but we need the Holy Spirit. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Ephesians, the Greeks suggest keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. Like somebody said, I think it was Spurgeon, one of those great preachers of the past, said, why do we need to be filled again? And he had a great theological answer, because we leak. (laughs) And you want to keep on being filled, you have to stay humble, humble. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God gave me a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And he makes two statements there in that passage. God says to him, no, I'm going to leave that thorn because my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's why he said, I delight in difficulties and hardships. What an amazing thing. You know what Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says? At the end of Jesus' 40 days of temptation in the wilderness by Satan, he goes back to Jerusalem. Here's what Luke 4, 14 says. He returned to Jerusalem in the power of the Spirit. He's in the most weakened human state. But the Spirit's all over him. And he was victorious. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. 
a life pleasing to the Father, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then last but not least, submission to the will of God. The translation in the 1984 NIV is a little, little, not necessarily disappointing, but when it says that once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, sent, sent. That's, some translations get it a little closer to the Greek term. Some translations say, and the Spirit drove him into the desert. It's the same Greek word used for Jesus driving out evil spirits. So understand, it wasn't the Spirit saying, want to take a walk in the wilderness? Like to go visit some animals? No, it was a spirit. It was a strong urging, pushing him, pushing him. Didn't make him go. He didn't make us go. And he could have resisted, just like you and I can resist. One of the most simple, understandable passages on following the leading of the Holy Spirit and being submissive to the Lord is Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. What a great definition of a daily Christian life. It's being submissive to the Lord, saying no to myself, not giving in to my own natural desires, but following his lead. That's submission. My friend, Pastor Peter Lord, says, if we're going to live the Christian life, we must write an obituary to the self-life. That is a great statement because that's exactly what Jesus said. You can't be my disciple unless you deny yourself and daily pick up your cross and follow me. Not possible. James says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You cannot resist the devil unless your life is submitted to God. Not possible. Not possible. Joseph, 17 years old, 17 years old, hated by his brother, sold into slavery down in Egypt. He's owned by a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife, she takes a liking to Joseph. And while her husband's not around, you probably know the story, she tries to get Joseph to bed with her. He repeatedly resists. It ultimately, because of his righteous defense there, his resistance ultimately lands him in prison. And just before he goes to prison, one of the final times he resists that temptation. Here's what he says to her. Here's what he says. How could I do this thing and sin against God? He's far away from home. Nobody else is around. And in the wilderness situation that he's in, you talk about needing some love and affection. But he says no, just like Jesus said no in the wilderness. And what allowed Jesus and, and Joseph to be victorious was this, their love for their heavenly father. And let me tell you something, there's going to be a time, and I'm sure there already has been for probably all of us, you're going to be alone and the temptation is going to come. And the only way you are going to be victorious, if you have the kind of commitment that says, Lord, how could I do this thing and sin against you? Now, I know I'm talking to some of us, and you say, well, I've already blown it. And if you really love the Lord and you've blown it, then your heart is going to react like David did. 
after he sinned sexually with Bathsheba and then the subsequent sins that followed. And when he writes his confession psalm, he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before King Nebuchadnezzar being threatened with throwing them into the fiery furnace. And they say to the king, we don't have to defend ourselves. You're right. The report is correct. We did not bow. And we want you to know, O king, our God is able to save us. But even if he does not, we will not bow. Their friend, Daniel being threatened with a lion's den. And when the decree goes out, they would ultimately send him to the lion's den. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem. And just as he had done before, he prayed to his God because he's the real deal. And it got him thrown into the lion's den. Job, Job, Job lost everything in one day except a nagging wife. And he writes in Job thirteen fifteen, though he slay me, yet while I serve him. The apostles stood before their Supreme Court and they said, you judge for yourselves whether it's right for us to obey you or God. The writer to the Hebrews mentioned some unnamed heroes of the faith. Others were tortured and refused to be released. They could have been released. They could have been released if they'd recanted their faith. They refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Romans chapter 8 verses 35-39 says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then it goes through all the lists, trouble or hardship or death or nakedness or famine or demons or angels or anything, anything. No, no, we are more than conquerors, though we are continue. we are, I can't even, oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Whether it's resisting sexual temptation, standing up for God when everybody else is bowing to idols, remaining faithful, even if you lose your job and are thrown to the lions, or even experiencing Job-like conditions in life, you can be victorious if you follow the Lord and his example. But before I close, let me just say, these, these are dramatic examples. Real examples, but dramatic examples. But understand these dramatic examples, the thing that took them to the place of drama was just the everyday life, their commitment in everyday life. And so for me to live in a victorious way as a Christian, pleasing to the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, submitted to the will of God, it means I'm going to be faithful to my wife and I'm going to say no to anybody else. It means I'm going to be faithful to my family. It means I'm going to be faithful to my calling and give myself to the work God's called me to. For you, in the context you live in, it may mean submitting to the principal, submitting to the pastoral authority, submitting to your parents. You see, it's the everyday life. It's the normal routine of life. That's where the truth about our lives is manifest. Galatians so since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. One scripture says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Another scripture says don't quench the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you very quickly what both of those mean. I grieve the Holy Spirit when I do what he doesn't want me to do. I quench the Holy Spirit when I don't do what he wants me to do. And the challenge daily in the Christian life is keeping in step with the Spirit. Because you get out of step with the Spirit, how can the Holy Spirit fill you? How can the plan of God that he has 
for each one of us before the beginning of time. He knew us. He knew us. And he has a plan. How can he fulfill that plan if we don't keep in step with the Spirit? Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.